Welcome to a brand new podcast with the British Chamber of Commerce Taipei, hosted by me, Steve Parker. In this new series, we will explore what makes successful people successful and how you can unlock your potential. We'll be speaking to various CEOs, managers and industry leaders to hear their inspirational stories, as well as some personal tips to help you in your career. First on the show, we have Tom Manning, General Manager at Seawind and Co-Chair of the UK Renewables Committee. Tom, tell us a little bit about Seawind before we get started. Morning, Steve. Thank you. Um, so Seawind are helping to build the supply chain for offshore wind here in Taiwan. We supply specialist vessels and offshore technicians to help build and, and maintain the wind farms that, that Taiwan's hoping to construct. So we're going to start from the simple. Talk about you. If you were going to introduce yourself to other people, what would be kind of three things that you would tell people about you? Kind of what defines you as a person? First three things that come to your mind. I, I think uh, enthusiasm would be one of the early ones that I would uh, I would suggest. I, I tend to bring a lot of passion to, to what I do, be it work or with uh, with with hobbies that I have. Um, I'm also quite. Uh, I think I have a reputation, at least at work, as being quite decisive keen at making decisions and, and, and using that to kind of drive how our, our business can grow. Um, and, and I think building relationships with, with people with in, in private life, but also within, within work is, uh, is kind of one of my, my strengths. Yeah, three important things that I think uh, people can take away from that. People often talk about you know, when you were younger, things that you might have done or might, you know, might have formed you into the person you are today. People always say, what should I be doing? So when you were younger, what do you think are some of the things that helped form you into the person that you are today? So I, when I finished university, I um, I decided to to kind of give up on ambitions of a of a career in in work and, and just packed a bag to travel to South America for a couple of years and um, and I think being in a in a kind of alien environment and trying to figure out what to do and just exploring and, and having fun um, gave me a lot of uh, down the line has given me a lot of benefit in terms of being relaxed about how things are going to pan out and uh, and being confident that. Uh, that I'll be able to figure out solutions for things and and take the right decision when they come along. Um, so I think really spending time, you know, a little bit more myself, a little bit of a self-discovery thing, which sounds a bit cliched, but it I think it's important to, to kind of figure out at an early stage who you are and and what's important, and then you can then apply that learning when it when it matters later on in your career. So thinking about this early stages, a lot of people talk about leaders as uh, being. When they first get up in the morning, it's very important to do certain things, have a certain process. Do you, do you have a morning process? Yeah, my my morning routine is kind of dictated by a four-year-old. So you know, I get woken up at, at six o'clock by my son. Um, so routine is making him breakfast, getting him dressed, brushing his teeth. And and then I have a moment to, to sort myself out. Um, so I, I don't I don't have that, that morning routine that you hear podcasters often talk about about the, the you know the nitro coffee and the cardio and the, the meditation and the mindfulness but I do try to protect that kind of two three hours in the morning not necessarily spending it thinking about how to become a, a great leader later in the day but but I think it helps to kind of isolate some time for yourself to, to give some some balance so that you're fresh when you actually do start the the diarized part of your day. You mentioned balance. This is one of those things that people talk about all the time at the moment, work-life balance. Mm. Is that something that you aim for? And is there a way that you personally can achieve that? Yeah, I think I think everybody aims for it. I, I think I, I failed to achieve it, most like, like most people, uh, a lot of the time. Um, I think you get better with it the more the more experience you get you you become more confident setting the boundaries that you need to establish in order to maintain that work-life balance. Um, but you also become you become better at figuring out when's the appropriate time to break those boundaries. You know, it's not always appropriate to 
decide that you know that's that's the two hours that I go for a run every morning when you've got a big deadline to meet or, or vice versa so I think um, you get the confidence and experience to, to maintain it as you as you get older um, but uh, but you yeah, know it's uh, you know it can't be too strict with it because it, it it will it will hamstring you if you if you try and be too rigid with it and you try to have a routine, but uh, you've got to be flexible enough to cope with the things that life throws at you. Yeah, yeah. And, and also just giving time to nurture habits outside of work. You know, the, the pie chart of, of our life, you know, with, with work and family and friends and hobbies and all the rest of it. It's, it's kind of, I find it a really good visual reference to keep that in your, in your head when you're talking about work-life balance and, and kind of sitting back and thinking, okay, today, what did my pie chart look like? And referring back to that as a very quick visual reference is quite helpful for me. Interesting. Mm. So one of the things I talk about with your industry is a very hot industry at the moment. I think for the future of work, what you're doing in the renewables area is going to be changing a lot of what we do. People talk about the new normals, but you guys have been working on the new normal for quite some time now. How do you think that what your industry is going to change the world and the way we work? Yeah, we're, we're quite ambitious, I guess, as an industry. Um, but uh, I, I think, you know, in Taiwan specifically, it's it's a very clear change in, in terms of the the work opportunities that that we're offering um, for the for the population here. Um, but you know, it, hopefully, we we're part of a of a proper revolution in in how we we live on this planet. I mean, we we can't uh, we can't afford to keep maintaining the the normal status quo that we have been doing. Um, as to how we we change the kind of future of work, I, I don't think renewables are really any any different to other industries in in the need to. To, to kind of look at, at how their working practices uh, need to evolve over the coming years. I think the last 12 months outside of Taiwan more than here, but it's shown people how you need to maybe take better care of the, the mental health of, of your workforce and and build more flexibility into working practice than, than previously we did. Um, and I don't think that's that's unique to renewables, but, but hopefully renewables will adopt those working practices in the, in the future. I know that one of the things that's important to both you and I think the Renewables Committee that you're heading up is, uh, is this idea of future generations, developing the next generations. Maybe tell me about that and how that kind of fits into your leadership thought process. Yeah, so we, we have the Renewable Committee under the Chamber and one of the things that we're looking to kickstart this year is our internship program here in Taiwan. So, so trying to attract um, you know, new, new talent from Taiwan into the sector, but also to help spread the gospel of, of renewable energy within Taiwan, um, and so that hopefully it becomes recognised as a as a as an important career path for people. Um, but uh, I think in terms of how do I how do I lead towards achieving that, I think my I, I'm I'm always quite focused on how to empower the people that work for me, um, rather than than the lead with with ego and, and and decisiveness. I think it's it's important to to be able to encourage people to take responsibility for decisions. And, and I think that will become more and more important in, in the future. You strike me as a, as a and I, I don't want to kind of hamstring you with this term, but you strike me as a little bit of a, a, an intellectual leader. You've thought about the processes. You've thought about what you want to do. You're pretty casual about it. You're very cool about it. I get that. But you're an intellectual leader. Is this something that's come through? I mean, were there important books or kind of uh, processes or trainings or learnings that you encountered early on in your career that kind of helped to form the leader you are today? So I, I was thinking about this podcast with, with my wife over dinner the other night, and, um, and, I, and I said very kind of casually without thinking about it, oh, I don't plan for anything. And, and then she reminded me that when we first moved to London, 
um, I, I mentioned that there might be an opportunity to get to Asia at a certain point with the, the job that I'd just taken. And, and five years later, right, we end up in, in Shanghai. And so I think I, I kind of, almost without thinking about it, have always maintained an, an importance to having a, a plan about where I'm going and what I want to be achieving, but but not to be kind of too rigid about kind of making every single decision every day kind of aligned with that plan, but always having it there in your mind. So when the big decisions do arise, you've kind of already, you know, you've done half the thinking required to make that decision. Um, in terms of kind of what inputs, what books and so forth, I've, I don't read many business books, to be honest. I've never really kind of quite engaged with, with, with books that kind of try to spin out one quite simple idea into a, a lot of a lot of pages. Um, there's a book that I like called the the Donut Economy by um, by Kate Raworth, who's a, is an economist, and it talks about the importance of how we redefine how we do business, in, not in in terms of just a circular economy, but looking at kind of making sure businesses are operating within the kind of donut of um, you know, outside. Uh, consumption of resources and so forth, but also maintaining the, the social fabric. And that a lot of companies overexploit resources and, and disturb their their workforces, um, work life balance, um, and, and kind of keeping in that that donut of productivity with at the same time making sure we're we're doing things sustainably is really important. And I, one of the reasons why we support the the chamber's Better Business Awards with the Renewable Committee is because I think it's important to recognise where where companies are aiming to kind of fit in that in that donut of, of responsible business. It's interesting how the your your kind of uh, business philosophy and your career have sort of meshed together. You've got this. You're very much you know you as a kind of a leader seem to be of a, a renewable leader, you know sustainable kind of management practices, and you've ended up working in the renewables area. Yeah, I, I don't think that's accidental. Um, you know, as I said, I think there's there's there is some some method behind the madness sometimes with my with my career planning. But um, it also I think you know if if people are given time to to do what they're passionate about and and bring their kind of their philosophy of life towards what they're doing in in day to day work, then then those kind of paths merge quite quite naturally. Um, and I think it's important that that businesses give employees especially their leaders time to do that kind of deep thought that allows them to to kind of really take a seat back and and think about okay where where do we want to be how do we want to be doing things as a business i have a uh, i have a personal theory on leadership which i'll share with you and i'll get your thoughts on this because I, I think that leadership is actually well career is kind of it's a reverse line that i tend to look at it now at the age of 54 i tend to look at my career and i can see the connections backwards but when I was going through it, I could never really see the connections going forwards. I wasn't really sure where I was going. But now that I've got there, I can kind of feel and see where it came from. Yeah. I just wanted to have your thoughts on uh, on this kind of you know, career progression and planning. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, you, you look back and, and you realize that there was a logic to, to the decisions that you were making. And it was part of a, of a, you know, even if it was a broad brush plan, it, it fitted into the the arc that you kind of you, you had in mind for yourself, but it, it only sometimes it only makes sense when when you look back at it. There's a there's a really nice quote from um, from Goethe, who um, I I used to have it on my whiteboard in my office in in Shanghai. That's um, you know about kind of the ability to to make decisions that you don't necessarily have all the information to do, but it kind of feels like the right thing to do. It feels like it fits with your ethos or your plan. It's, um, it's like whatever you can do or dream you can, 
begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. And I always loved looking at that quote on my wall when I had something big at work that I wasn't sure what to do. Then it's it's nice to be reassured by, you know, not, not everything's going to fall apart if you make the wrong decision. But right. if you don't do anything, then you're not really going to get where you want to be going. You got to do something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do something rather than nothing. Yeah. That's a nice philosophy. I'm going to ask you one last question today, and it, it's about challenges that you may have faced as a leader. Um, it's one of these things, people, leaders tend not to want to share their failures, and I'm not asking you to share failures, but I, just to, maybe there's a, a challenge that you've faced as a leader, and maybe share how uh, you maybe have overcome that challenge. Sure. So I, I think one of the hardest things that, that I've found coming to, to Asia, and it's been seven odd years now, but in terms of leading teams and managing people, the difference in the cultural difference in, in how that needs to be done here compared to, to the West and and how that you have challenges particularly about kind of drawing information or, or people's particularly people's desires out of them in, in Asia. Um, compared to generally in the West a, a much more kind of frank and open conversation and, and less kind of respect for that the hierarchy that sits in organizations um, and, and so I think that that's probably as a leader that's probably one of the biggest challenges that, that I've faced um, and I, I don't think I've cracked it quite yet um, I've got better at it over the years and, and I think the only way you can do that is is by really listening to people and dedicating a lot more time to, to really understanding the the motivations of, of staff and their desires in an organization, taking the pulse of the whole company, but also individuals in that company. Eventually you get better at figuring out how to how to extract people's opinions um, and, and it really valuing those opinions when you get them as well, like not, not being a leader that that leads with a with an ego, as I mentioned before. You need a bit as as the boss, right? But um, but kind of recognizing that you're you're just the top of the team, but there's still a really important team underneath you that you, you should be learning a lot from every day. Well, I think uh, I've really appreciated your uh, kind of humble approach to leadership here. Um, you know, being the boss, you've got to have a bit of ego. I've heard that. Um, but you've also got to be humble and you've got to be willing to share, willing to learn and willing to kind of grow through your failures as well to be a great leader. That seems to be some part of the message I'm getting from you today. Yeah, certainly that's, uh, that's really uh, a key part of how I, I see myself as a, as a leader. And I think, you know, how, how I would like to see, uh, you know, people's philosophy towards leadership more, more broadly in the industry. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks so much for launching this series with us, Tom. This was a fantastic start. You can catch us at the same time on Monday the 19th of April, where we'll be speaking to author, marketer and head of Ogilvy PR, Abby Scheer. And of course, you can listen to this podcast on the ICRT website or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for British Chamber of Commerce Taipei. You can also check out our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Or you can head to our website, www.bcctaipei.com. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.